Right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice. Ed To the line, Hughes scores! You're listening to Canucks Conversation. Quinn Hughes beat reporter here. Like, I don't, I won't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. A member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in at Valentine's Day. Wow. We should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. What Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores! Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks over at Zephyr Epic. You can use promo code Hockey Season, capital H, capital S, all one word, Hockey Season. That will get you $5 off your order. That is at ZephyrEpic.com. They've got you covered for all of your trading card needs. Uh, They are also all over the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, whatever it is. They've got you covered, so be sure to go check them out. And if you choose to shop online, uh, they also have a retail location in Surrey. If you choose to use the online route, though, hockey season is the promo code you're going to want to use. Free shipping, Canada-wide, on any order over $50. My name is Dave Cugelli. I'm joined, as always, by the man who built the place, Chris Faber. Our technical producer is Alex Allard. And Chris, you're wearing the polo. I love it. I love it. The the polo. I, I have a matching one. Um got a golf shirt as well with that logo on it. and you've pulled a pack here so what, what what did you pull out of this pack anything anything to write home about well we got uh seattle kraken are in town tonight so we're gonna watch that uh tonight's game so that'll be exciting canucks are playing a kraken uh but i did pull a what is that who is this anyways brayden point cool looking brayden point card here so that's cool um yeah nothing too crazy center of attention that's a cool looking card that's a that must be a new one here for the uh for this year's uh, series, what am I looking at? Series one. This must be a new one there. So that's a nice looking card. I like it. Good stuff. Hey, okay. what's going on here on the YouTube? What's going on here? We got a new, there's a new logo. Everything Canucks Convo is all branded with the red and the yellow. And I hear you and Alex, you guys are freaking, you know, loving on each other here about the new logo and everything. What's going on? We got a green logo here on YouTube. Something uh, new. What's going on here? Uh, it's the rebranded Canucks Army logo. They've uh, changed up. Well, the logo is the same. They've just kind of changed the color. So now it's it's green on the. It's white on a green background. 
that's not going to be good for the old uh, green screen here. I have, I know we're going to have trouble. We're going to, I'm already worried about stuff already with the green stuff. This is the same problem. Every time I'm showing, uh, Abbotsford highlights, I got the freaking logo coming through the back. What's going to happen with a green logo on a green screen. I'm just worried about it. I don't think that's how it works. I think you'll be okay. Okay. Well, I'm, uh, I was uh, up in the air game time decision today for today's show. Did I tell you this? I went out last night. You told me you went out last night. It was news to me that you were a game time decision, though. Yeah, game time decision, but uh, pulled through. My uh, best friend got back from camp. He works up in uh, Alberta. And it's kind of, I don't gamble often. I don't gamble that often. But when I do, it's it's when my best friend comes back into town. We end up, he comes here, he gets in on a late flight. Uh, we'll normally go out for a night. Uh, he does, you know, he works 30 days on or whatever, 20 days on, something like that. So I see him every few weeks. And uh, last night was a good one. $1,400 win at the casino, baby, on the uh, lobster slots. I was playing some slots with lobsters on them. So I've had a really good week. I won my fantasy hockey pool on Sunday. Boom. Nice little chunk of change there. And then uh, with uh, the casino last night, whoa. I'm living like you, Quads. I got all this money in my bank account now. I don't know what to do with it. I'm not used to this. I'm not living in, uh, not living like you over there. You got three bedrooms in your apartment there, pretty much. A couple of dogs. All that stuff. I don't know what to do with the money. You, sh- you should spend it on dog food, because that's what it seems like I spend all my money on right now. Mm. Yeah, that'll get you. That was a pro- when I had uh, a cat back in the day. He was uh, he was a big. We used to get him a lot of like the expensive food sometimes here and there, but there was this cheap food, the cheapest cat food on the market. I don't know if it still is, but this is probably, geez, this is like twenty twelve. So geez, it's eleven years ago. God, I'm getting old. Uh, but the cat food that we used to get for Squirt, who was the best cat of all time, Lisa says, spend it on your fiance. Literally, that's where it's going. I got a wedding in a few months, um, but. Uh, Alley Cat was the, the cat food that we used to buy for Squirt back in the day. It was the cheapest stuff. I don't know how much it was. A few bucks for a bag for last him a couple of weeks. And he was the biggest, strongest cat you'll ever see. I'll, I got to show a picture of Squirt one day here on the uh, on the show. That cat was a monster. He was one of the best cats of all time. And uh, he loved the cheap Alley Cat food. So that was a horrible story. All right, let's get to some stuff. Everybody loves Squirt, though. When you show a oh. picture of Squirt, even the podcast listeners will love him. Nobody understands. Everybody loves Squirt. I, I'll, I'll dig up a photo of him. He was the biggest cat you'll ever see. Like, he was, you know, he would run the block. And sometimes I'd come home, and I'd be driving home, coming in, pulling into the driveway. And uh, he'd just be fighting a cat. I saw Squirt get hit by a car one time, and he just walked away. Like, my cat got hit by a car. I, wa- I was like, oh, my God. I ran. I saw it. And then I run out there, and I'm like, oh, no, like, the car took most of the damage. He was a huge cat. He was a good cat, Squirt. He, uh, I think he lived to be, like, 18 years old. He's a good good cat. Yeah, I love seeing You want to know why, you okay, know why I named him Squirt? Patri- no, Patreon.com slash combo. There you go. We've got to do a Patreon here pretty soon, too. You don't come to the, uh, the main studio here anymore, so I don't know when we're going to do a Patreon. Well, I'll be there in the summer. The the times we do shows, it's like yeah. I, I technically like I might be able to make it work before the end of the season because now he's a little bit older and I can leave him home alone for a little bit. So, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see. I might be able to. I might yeah, be able give to us make tw- it work one day. Give us a twenty seconds of dog on that. What's the what's the update on? Because uh, you got to be able to leave your dog at home a little bit. You haven't have you tried that yet? Yeah. So basically, I've been leaving to go work. I go work in. Uh, 
somewhere else. I don't work in the apartment anymore. I bring my laptop and go work somewhere. Um, just like different cafe or whatever. So that's how I'm trying to train him not to have separation anxiety, but he can still only hold his pee for like three hours. Right. So you can't really leave him longer than that. Um, so like, you know, I, I leave probably eight thirty, nine o'clock in the morning and then I'm back right before the show oh, right, starts, right, right. play with him for like half hour, put him back down before the show starts and then show and then it's a short nap right now. But anyways, we're not going to waste any more time with this. Okay. No one cares. It's okay. Well, uh, the, yeah. Everybody knows how the puppy works. All right. There's okay. not a Let's lot go. of um, uh, not a lot of stuff to really get into. Um, we are going to play some quotes from today. I think there's some interesting quotes. There's a couple things I want to get to about um, what to watch for tonight. Initially, let's get it started. Um, I think I think we'll start here with just the lines. Let's get the lines up here first and just kind of break our way through. Um, this, so the, the Vancouver Canucks playing against the Seattle Kraken tonight. Kraken are a good team, man. I got some more stuff on them I want to dive into later. They're, they're, did you see their game last night? 8-1, shellacking on the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, but some interesting things from the lines. There was only six defensemen on the ice today at practice. Uh, no sign of Guillaume Brisebois, you know, no Willannon or, or Juleson for the rest of the season. It's what it's looking like. So the line combinations, we'll start with the defense pairings, actually. Quinn Hughes and Kyle Burrows are going to be playing together. Akito Hirose and uh, Tyler Myers, they're going to be on the second pairing together. And then Jack Rathbone and Ethan Bear uh, as the third pairing. We got a whole segment on Jack Rathbone coming up here in a little bit. But I want to show this as well, the power play, the second power play unit. How about Akito Hirose getting an opportunity to play on the second power play unit uh, with the Vancouver Canucks? An NHL moment for heck, he's going to get a good run. I saw the, I tweeted this out earlier today, and some of the replies were pretty funny looking at this power play unit because the power play unit for the Vancouver Canucks today, the second power play unit that is, is Sheldon Dries, Akito Hirose, Anthony Bavillier, uh, Connor Garland, and Jack Rathbone. <laughs> it's the, you know, We've there's been some exciting second power play units in Vancouver over the years. I don't know if this is one of them. Uh, this this would be a very good AHL power play. Uh, but there's you know there's some NHL players there. I think uh, Garland doesn't really find it on the power play. I like him more at five on five. Bavillier in the bumper hasn't really worked out. They tried that on the first unit when he first got here. That hasn't worked out. It, it's just it's a. Uh, you know, it's an island of misfit toys here on the second power play unit, and I think having Akito Hirose in there makes it even more interesting. But Rick Tockett spoke about it today, giving uh, Hirose an opportunity. He spoke pretty highly. Um, he said when he went back and watched the game tape and actually watched the film, he was actually even more impressed, uh, just with a lot of like little decision-making by Hirose. And I'm excited to see him play another game. I wasn't blown away with his first game. I thought he was fine-ish. Um, I didn't, I just didn't think it was, you know, great, but something in his game, Rick Tockett really liked, uh, let's hear Rick Tockett here talking about why Hirose is getting an opportunity on that second power play unit. Yeah, it was, yeah, we needed to, on the second, is probably a two, two defense unit. Um, and he's his skill level and his, uh, pocket IQ. So why not throw him in there, evaluate him, you know, playing a, a good game, a good team like Seattle going to the playoffs. You know, it's good to throw a guy in there and see what he can do on, in, in those pressure situations. And, and then he'll have a good taste this summer. That was talked about a little bit today uh, from Rick Tockett about just the, the summer stuff. And, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a regular thing now. It's kind of – it's almost like the swear jar, right, for Rick Tockett when he says the word summer. Like, he's got to throw, like, a toonie in there uh, into a jar or something. Uh, but your thoughts on Hirose getting uh, an opportunity here on the second power play unit. He's going to be playing on the left half wall, it looks like. That's what it was in practice today anyways. Really good AHL power play. 
but I don't think you're too upset about that. Like, let's be honest here. Um, Akito Hirose had a really solid first game, I thought. And I think you talked, kind of spoke about it there. The things that really stood out were his smarts with the puck, especially breaking out of his own end. And obviously that's not too much of what you're doing on the power play, but his skill with the puck on his stick, I want to see more of that. Like, you're not getting a ton of offensive opportunity at five on five. You're Akito Hirose, like you're playing with Tyler Myers. You know, he didn't have a ton of, ton of chances to show off his offensive chops. I love it. I love giving him the shot. This is, this is what this team should have been doing like 20 games ago. Right. And, um, you know, how often do we talk about the, oh, we, we, we would really like to see this guy in this role. We'd really like to see Kratzov, Pod Colson playing with Elias Pettersson and whoever. I really like to see it for Akito Hirose getting this opportunity. And like Tockett said, you know, getting a chance to play against a team like Seattle Kraken, it's going to show him a lot of what he needs to do going into the summer. And that's, that's the value for these college free agents, right? Is it's not, okay, well, I'm going to make this team. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be able to play in the NHL for sure. Like the reason you put them in these games is so that they can see, okay, I'm pretty far off here and this is what I need to work on, right? Because it's one thing for someone to tell you, right? Like it's, it's one thing for the development staff to sit down Akito Hirose and say, okay, you need to work on this. Um, you know, any player, not just Hirose, obviously. Um, it's one thing to hear it from someone, but we've spoken to players who, you know, get that taste at the NHL level, right? And then they go back down to the AHL and it doesn't even have to be a college guy, just anybody. Um, like any AHL player that gets a shot at the NHL level, like even Archie Baines, for example, let's take him for example. You know, the reason we want to see him get this shot at the end of the year isn't because, oh, well, he's going to make this team better and they're going to win more games because of it. It's to give him that chance where you say, hey, you had a really solid season in the AHL. Here's what you need to do to get to the NHL level. Give, give him a shot at the NHL and then he can figure it out. Like he can see, okay, well, I need to work on this. And, you know, they were right. Not that he distrusts them or anything like that, but you know, he's going to get here and he's going to see, oh, wow, okay, this is what I need to work on. And that's what you want for these players at this point. Yeah, I, th- I think it's a step in development, right? Like getting the opportunity is a huge step in the development. I think that part also, that step, without that step, you don't really know exactly what to push in the summer. And that was, I actually asked Rick talk at that today. Um, like what would be something that a player, like what would be an exceptional summer for a player and how they work out about it. And a lot of it came down to the testing. Uh, you said like, you know, they're going to test their numbers for how hard they actually worked in the off season. The, you know, the expectation was very high, but I think another one was like understanding their role with the organization, what they want. And I think a lot of that comes from playing these NHL games. I just, I, I'm a little sent here because like Akito Hirose going on to the second power play unit. Um, the way that Talkett mentioned it in the quote that we just played was like, yeah, it's a it's a two defenseman unit, but it's like, man, you know, you talk about giving these guys opportunity. I'm looking at Aiden McDonough, who was probably the best power play scorer in the NCAA over the last three seasons. I'd play him on the power play. Uh, he has a lot of chemistry with Jack Rathbone. They skate together all summer. They play together as kids. If Rathbone's going to be the power play quarterback on that second unit, Give him the guy that he knows and trusts on his side. Like make his passes over there to his buddy there, and let uh, let McDonough actually do that thing that he's been doing his whole career. The thing that he's best at is scoring from the right half all on the power play. That's like what I you know when watching him over the NCAA over the years. I'm just thinking like McDonough is going to score at the NHL level from that spot. His shot is that good. It is going to score. So when you see Akito Hirose getting an opportunity on a power play unit ahead of Aiden McDonough. I understand where talk it's coming from. They want, they really want to have two defensemen on that second unit for some reason. 
Um, you know, Harmon said this on this show a lot. Harmon hates two defensemen on a power play unit. I don't think Hirose is going to add as much offense as Aiden McDonough would to a second power play unit. I guess the argument against that is, okay, but they're not going to get scored on as much. But in my eyes, it's like, hey, what is it, six games left in the season? Do you really care about getting scored on when you're on the power play at this point? Like, are are these points that critical where, you know, I I think you need to open up that door for McDonough to see what a power play looks like at the NHL level because he crushed it. He crushed it in the NCAA. He was the best power play scorer in the NCAA for years. A little surprising to see Hirose uh, get the opportunity. A guy who, like... I don't even think Hirose was doing power play one for for Minnesota State Mankato. Like, you know, that was Livingstone's spot. Like, it, it's 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 a wild thing for me to see this happen. But I mean, good opportunity for the kid, of course. I'm happy for Hirose, but as a whole, looking at development, you know, I'd like to see McDonough get a little bit of time there. I still like hope to see him in a top six role. Happy to see McDonough continue to play and be in the NHL lineup. But I was a little surprised. Uh, probably the, the most shocking thing I saw on the ice today was that, was Akito Hirose on the second power play. So we'll see it tonight, uh, matching up against the Kraken. It's going to be a good game, and uh, the opportunity, it's like you said, like it is a, a very good opportunity for Hirose, and I think it's a good step in development for him. So we'll see what happens there. I did also want to play this quote, and I'll, just, I'll get you to just react to it, um, from Brock Besser, and talking about the playoffs and a couple of little things, um, about how difficult, and, and you know, Basically, in his words, it sucks, right? So uh, the fact that this team continues to get to this point in the season and the players have to come out and talk to us with six games left and no chance of the playoffs, it does suck. I have to imagine it really sucks. I mean, this is, you know, we, we do a podcast about the Canucks. We would love playoff games. They play the game. They would love it a hundred times more than like what we would hope for to get playoff games. I know these players want to do this and play in these important games. So let's hear Brock Besser. I'll let you react off of this quads, your thoughts on this. So here's Brock Besser talking about basically this point in the season and, you know, matching up against a team that's heading into the playoffs and what it means to the Vancouver Canucks. It could definitely be a little hard, but um, then again, though, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of, you know, it's a, a lot of guys that need to make an impact and, you know, show what they're worth to this team and, and you know, fighting for spots or whatnot. So yeah, I think this is a really important time and, um, you know, this is, um, like I said, it's a time for us to, to build that culture, and and you know we're we're sick of not making playoffs. Like this sucks coming here every year, and and you know being in this time span, and um, yeah, I mean you know there's not much else to say other than we got to build the culture the right way and, and work to get better. Yeah, um, no surprises there, like no real surprises, right? Like Brock Besser is one of us clearly where he's sick of this team not making the playoffs and you know kind of alluded to the coming in at this time of the year when the team's doing really well it's kind of annoying at this point where you're not seeing the results carry over and um didn't get mentioned uh like we didn't play the clip but right before that he was talking about the seattle kraken turned their uh seemingly turned their fortunes around after a tough first season obviously for the kraken um spoke about how they have a good culture over there and how the canucks need to start building their culture um obviously talked about when rick talkie came in how uh, they've started to build their culture in that regard so Look, like it's it's the question that keeps getting asked and is going to continue to be getting asked until puck drop next season, Chris. Is this turnaround for the Canucks legit? Right? And there's no right answer. Like a lot of people say yes it is because of this. A lot of people say no it's not because of this. And honestly, there's no right answer. Like there's no right answer at this point in time. You're guessing. Everybody's guessing because everybody thought the Boudreaux bump was real. 
you're just guessing right now. Everybody's just guessing. And, you know, one one side is going to be proven right. It's just everybody's guessing, right? And a lot of people are going to say, yeah, it's real. But they also said that the Boudreaux bump was real. So they're going to take the victory lap because, oh, we'll talk it, turn this team around if if that happens next year. But, you know, there's no way to know for sure. There's just no way to know for sure with this team. You want to believe it's real. I'm not trying to say that people shouldn't believe that it's real. It's just that we've seen it before. And I think that's what Besser's kind of alluding to there is just like, you know, we need to actually, it needs to start actually counting for something because coming in at this time of the year, it sucks. Just missing the playoffs. It just, it's horrible. Yeah. And to your point, like nobody, nobody should be taking victory laps until this team's in the freaking playoffs. You know, like that's, that's how it should really feel, especially the way that this te- this organization is set up, right? There's a lot of things. Uh, th- this team is going to push for the playoffs. I did see an email today uh, about membership for the Vancouver Canucks, and one of the big things that you got uh, as part of getting on this membership was uh, early access to playoff tickets. So the big push is coming, quads. Tell you what, you wait till they get Leo Carlson. He's going to be popping right on that email next week. Uh, but uh, aside from that, yeah, I, I found the quotes pretty good from Brock Besser. I felt like uh, today, just kind of hearing him talk, and he, he, you know, he stood there with media for about five, six, seven minutes, something like that. It, it was a pretty long one uh, for Brock Besser. You get that sometimes from Besser, where he's like, he wants to talk about, like, he wants to talk some days. And today was actually even funny, like little behind the scenes stuff. Like they came right off the ice. We're all in the locker room waiting for it, and uh, Brock saw his na- number on the board, so that means you have to talk. And he just like came right up, skates on and everything. He's ready to go. Just like, you know, it was one of those days where Brock wanted to talk. And I felt like there was actually some passion for the way that he answered some of these questions. And, you know, a lot of that, uh, there was a lot of people. I, I sent out a tweet of the of one of the quotes that he said. A lot of people were really ripping into Besser on social media. And it's like, you know, it, I think it's, it's really tough for Brock because there was so much hope and potential in his first season, right? Like what he did in that first year was unreal. Obviously the injury really hurt. Uh, I think the next year and the next little bit and the injuries that have happened since then, it's difficult. Cause I think a lot of people will look at him. A lot of the fan base looks at him from his rookie season and says, man, that would be great. Like he was, if you remember like the, when this all started to turn around, you know, Horvat was here and this team was on like a young and up and coming team. Brock Besser was the first guy to get here. He was here before PD. He was here before uh, Hughes. Like they were, Brock was the guy, man, for like a while. And I think that's unfortunate that he hasn't lived up to his potential. But I really think his game is rounding out, right? Like, I do think his game is rounding out. He may not be the guy. Like, his next contract, I don't think he's going to be in the sixes, right? Like, he, he's not that guy. He's not a top six winger who really drives play. He's going to be more of a top six. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but, like, he is more of a passenger top six guy, right? Like, I think that's the way that I would look at Brock Besser. He's going to be effective, in a top six role if he's playing his game and on a good line that makes sense, but he's not going to drive top six lines. And I think that's something that's going to be, you know, into consideration on his next contract for sure. And I think if, if somebody's able to get Brock Besser at, you know, somewhere in the fours on his next deal, they're going to be probably pretty happy with what he's doing, whether it be Vancouver or somebody like some other team. I think he's been finding it a little bit. We'll have to see what happens. I, I do think he's going to score 31 year man too. Like he, he, he is, he still has a lot of talent and I think he's going to get it one year at, We'll see what happens uh, moving forward. But do you want to get to our spotlight? This is the thing we've uh, we've been trying to do on the show as the season kind of wraps up here, especially when there's a little bit of less news days. Yep, go ahead. 
quickly, I want to get this in. We don't have the tweet because I don't do any prep, but Jeff Patterson. Jeff Patterson uh, joining the hockey news. Not to shout out any competition or anything like that too much, but uh, we're all happy for J-Pat. And I just oh. wanted to get it in there. wanted to congratulate Jeff. Um, you know, I'm sure both of us already reached out to us, but, uh, or reached out to Jeff rather, excuse me. Um, but Jeff Patterson joining the hockey news, really, really good news. Really good to see. Um, good to see Jeff back around the rink. Um, when I eventually go back to the rink, I'm excited to be seeing Jeff there, uh, once again. So just quickly wanted to get that in. Congrats to Jeff Patterson for yeah. joining the hockey news, kicking myself for not just bringing him on to Canucks army, but it's okay. I know. Well, there was no, was there no role of, uh, cause this is what I felt. I, I'm super, obviously super happy for Jeff. He's, he's just the manager. Like he's, uh, that's his job title there. Like, uh, it, Hey, that's a cool job title. I know man. it's a cool job title, but you're missing. Aren't, shouldn't you be like managing editor or like manager, you know, assistant to the regional manager? Like it's just, it's kind of, you don't see the term just manager a lot. Like I, Listen, I used to be a manager at A&W in uh, Woodgrove Mall. That's where like the the term simply like the simple word of manager kind of feels like a like a fast food spot to me. All right? Like I feel like these jobs in hockey where you're managing, you know, like writing and stuff like that, maybe you you know, they got to throw another word in there somewhere. When I just saw that Jeff is just the manager, I said, "Geez, that feels like a lot. Is he making the schedule for everybody's articles?" Like that's what I did at A&W, made the schedule for everyone's shifts. Ordered, uh, ordered it in all the, the fries and the onion rings. He's the only writer, is the point. Oh, so, so he just, he just got... Editing his own work. Yeah, they asked him, like, hey, what do you want to be called? And he said, Jeff, like, just said manager, then hung up the phone. And they're like, god damn, give him whatever he wants. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay. Very happy for Jeff. Let's get to our spotlight on Rathbone. Let's get that cool graphic up here, Alex. Uh, my favorite. I work so hard on this every day here. I just... You know, my uh, spotlight. Look at that. You love it on the ticker. And there it is. Spotlight. Jack Rathbone. Uh, so the stats don't really pop off the page for Jack Rathbone. He's got 10 NHL games this season. One goal, one assist, two points, 12 shots. His expected control of goals for is 41.7%. That's not great. That means when he's on the ice, the expected goals, um, his team is only going to score 41% of them. And he's averaging... 14 minutes and seven seconds of ice time. I sent out the tweet and asked for some people to uh, give their thoughts on Jack Rathbone as well. And we'll do the same thing here in the chat. I'll start it with you here. Quads. What is, what is the future here for Jack Rathbone? And is there a future? I think could be another question you could ask here with the Vancouver Canucks and Jack Rathbone. He's in a tough spot. He's in a tough spot. I think with the organization, but also in his own career, right? Like he, this is a guy who has some NHL talent. There is certainly a bunch of things in his game when he's playing his best. When he's playing his best, he's an NHLer. That's for sure. But the fit in Vancouver with guys like OEL and Quinn Hughes and you know some other guys coming in here now on the left side, it, it, it is going to be very difficult for this guy to, to find that spot in the Vancouver Canucks lineup long term. Uh, and Rick Talkett was asked about it today. Um, he mentioned a couple things of like, hey, like, you know, there, there's that, um, I think Kuz asked him, like, hey, there's that thought around the league that two small guys can't be in the lineup together. And Rathbone's not small. He's, you know, he's smaller. But can he also be in a lineup at the same time that Christian Willannon's in and also Quinn Hughes is in? And uh, Talkett kind of said it's about the player, right? It's about what the, the player does with 
I guess, you know, being a little bit shorter. Can they still do the little things that make a lot of sense? Um, and a lot of it is physically, right? Like you need to be able to chase pucks down in your own zone. You have to be quick to get that puck up to your forwards, everything. So your thoughts on Jack Rathbone and what what's next? Like what's next for Rathbone as a Canuck? Do you think, and I don't mean to just immediately pose a question to you, but it's more of a rhetorical question. It's just, I don't want to answer right now because I want to know how these final games go, right? Like he hasn't had a ton of time playing under Rick Tockett. And we wondered aloud when Rathbone, or excuse me, when Tockett took over, if maybe the Tockett system and the team playing just overall better defense, like the forwards helping out a little bit more, uh, supporting on breakouts, all that stuff we've seen under Rick Tockett, maybe that would help Jack Rathbone be an overall better defenseman and that he would be able to find better results. I don't know about you, Chris, but so far so good, I think. Like, I think he's been good. I think he's at least deserves a longer look before we come to hard um, conclusions on him, right? I think that right now, Jack Rathbone's going to get an extended look here. And obviously, um, emergency recall kind of complicates things a little bit. But I think he needs to just run with whatever opportunity he's given and then come into camp. I think training camp is where it's basically make or break. And it's funny that we're saying that because that was kind of the conversation around Rathbone coming into this year, right? Like it was kind of like, you know, this is the last or, you know, um, first training camp of the rest of your life. You know what I mean for Rathbone? Yeah. So I think it's same sort of deal next year is what, what does he do after a summer? Um, does he look like he can be better? Like, let's be honest here. He's probably better than Oliver Ekman Larson has been this year, right? Yeah, and, for sure. Um, I know OEL, they're, they're thinking of an OEL bounce back next year. We'll see what actually happens with OEL. But, like, it, it, it's the question of is there a spot for Jack Rathbone on this team? And I think if he continues to play the way he has under two, three games under Rick Tockett here, that he will have a spot. Like, there will be a spot for him penciled penciled in he's mm. got to go earn it in training camp but there's a spot for Rathbone in this blue line there has to be if he earns it there has to be a spot for him I don't think there is to start next season right I, I think he's he's an Abbotsford kid unless he's really dot like it's you know talk it talked about it too we have a quote from him we'll get in just a second here because I asked him about his initial impressions and basically a lot of the stuff you just said uh, Rick mentioned as well but it's like Christian Willanen's jumped him in the depth and that's massive. It's going to really depend on what happens with OEL. Like is, you know, we don't know. Nobody knows what's going on with OEL. OEL doesn't know what's going on with OEL. So whatever happens here, um, like the left side to me, I, I think they're going to try and upgrade one of those spots. I think the two spots that Canucks are going to really try and upgrade this season are a guy who can play with Philip Aronik and a guy to play three C. And if you bring in a guy who can play with Philip Aronik, that locks down your second pair. You already have OEL making, geez, buttloads of money. Oh, how much I made at the casino last night. But Quinn Hughes is also there. I just, it's very hard for me to find a spot when guys like, you know, Christian Willanen have jumped him in the depth charts. And uh, Guillaume Brisebois even had a run here where, like, he can play with Tyler Myers, I think, and, and is probably a better fit with Tyler Myers than Jack Rathbone is. To me, it's about the fit, right? Like, it's not like there's a. If they if the Canucks had a a reliable right shot defenseman to play on your bottom pairing, <clears throat> Luke uh, Luke Shen would be great would great option there. But like that guy would probably be playing with Quinn Hughes in the first place. It's why Luke Shen was playing with Quinn Hughes, right? So it's not like they can build two pairings. They're not going to build a pairing for Jack Rathbone. 
He's got to just play himself into the lineup somehow. And I think a lot of that's going to come from his play in Abbotsford. Uh, but let's hear from Rick Tockett. Uh, I asked him today about Jack Rathbone and his thoughts on him through a few games here and maybe what we can expect to see in the offseason. So here's, uh, here's Tockett talking about Rathbone. I, I think um, these last couple of games he's played, he's, he's uh, come a long way. I think, you know, I think he's had just an okay year in the minors. From what I've, I've watched him a little bit, but um, I think there's, like, once again, there's something there. Can he take these whatever games he's going to play left? You know, five, six games this year I think he's played. Uh, um, can he take that into the next level? Um, uh, that's really what it comes down to. And then it, let's face it, in training camp, you know, he's got to shine. Like he's got to be in one of the best-shaped guys, and he's got to be like from the day one, you know, you want to impress the coaching staff. So that's he's got to gear himself up for that. Yeah, he's going to need a, a Will Lockwood-esque uh, training camp, as we remember out in Abbotsford, Will Lockwood dominant uh, at that. But I, I do want to get to a comment a little bit earlier here in the chat. I did miss it, but I read it, and I wanted to get back to it. Uh, Corey Anderson had a great comment here. Rathbone's biggest asset is running a power play, which this team doesn't need, and he struggles still to defend at this level. All pretty accurate, right? I think that's the thing. Like If Rathbone was a incredible defender, he would be playing with Philip Ronick. That would be your second pairing, but he's he's not at the NHL level yet. And it's a great point from Corey that, like, Rathbone is he's at his best on a power play, right? Like, that's what he did so well in Abbotsford last season. He's done it throughout his basically hockey life. And now with Hronik probably running the second unit next year, you know, maybe there's a chance because it sounds like Talkit likes two defensemen on the second unit. Like, Rathbone's probably, to me, he's the third best option from the defense score to run a power play. So if you need three guys because you got to do two on the second unit, Rathbone makes sense. He's got the shot that can work from the right half wall as well if that's the direction that you want to go with or you know, kind of switch things up a little bit and do more of like a two guys at the blue line type of thing. You have some options there, but it, it is going to be tough because of the style of play that he has. It's actually interesting. You can almost mix this in with like, and this is a completely, uh, I don't think anybody in, in Canucks podcast world is making this type of transition. But the Rathbone to Truscott transition, the reason why you like Jacob Truscott as a prospect is because he has such a great fit as a defenseman for what the Canucks are looking for. He's a support defenseman. You like these guys. Like He's a guy who can help kind of boost the, the player that he's playing with. Rathbone I don't think is that. Rathbone has some skills, but you want a player to play and fit with him. Guys like Jacob Truscott... You know, Guillaume Brisebois is even kind of an example of that who kind of just blends with another guy and can make a little bit of sense playing that way. And that's the other thing. It's like the, the things that Rathbone does well are the same things that Christian Willannon does well. Like he moves the puck really well. He probably does it better than Rathbone right now at the NHL level. Probably defends better than Rathbone at the NHL level. It's going to be really hard for Rathbone to find a spot here in the NHL. I, I think he'll start in Abbotsford if he's here next year and he's not dealt at the in the summer. And I think that'll be a really fun story for, for the Abbotsford Canucks, having Aiden McDonough and Jack Rathbone down there playing together, likely on the first power play unit. But right now, going into next season, I, I don't think Rathbone's going to be one of the six or maybe even eight defensemen that they roll into the season with. Like, I, I don't think he's in that spot, unfortunately. He needs a, a year to a really good summer. He needs a really good camp. He needs to be really consistent throughout the year. Then he gets back in NHL games. But it's going to be difficult, man. Like, it is... Going to be difficult, but at least the difficulty is coming from other guys playing well. Christian Wolanin coming here to this organization 
did we know who this guy was? Alex did. Alex was a big fan of the Ottawa Senators pick. But he's jumped Rathbone, and that's a good thing. That's internal competition kind of showing your depth chart how it should be. Like, that is that is a good thing in the end. It's just unfortunate for Rathbone, who we both love. Been on this show a million times. We'll get him on in the summer again. But, yeah, it, it's it's coming from the internal competition, and this is what happens. The, the players that you maybe really like as a person or really like as a prospect – they can get jumped by a veteran if they if the veteran finds a good role with an organization. I think that's what happened with Willan in here. Yeah, I'm just th- I'm thinking of the Willan Rathbone comparison because like Willan is higher than Rathbone on the team's depth chart, right? And you talked about the power play success for Rathbone. I'd say um, probably better at that than Willan is, but I, I don't Willan know is better at defending it. I, I okay, think well, I think for a shot, give it to Rathbone, for yeah, argument's sake. sure. With Rathbone, like he has a better shot, but what what Will Landon was doing at the HL level on the power play was, you know, there's a reason why he was the top of the league in points. Like he was really good on the power yeah. play. And I think the thing that really separates them is that Will Landon's probably better at defending at five on five, and I think that's what you're looking for in all honesty, in a third-pairing defender. Like, yeah. you don't need a power play quarterback when it's a third-pairing guy, right? So that's that's kind of the spot that Rathbone finds himself in is it's just he really needs to improve on his defense. And look, like, I think he takes a little bit too much heat for that. Just sometimes you notice it where, um, you know, even decision-making with, like, the, the split second before he gets the puck, I think that's where you notice it. It's not with the puck. Like, when he has the puck, usually he makes the right play. It's the split second before he's picking up the puck, like turning into danger or, um, you know, not going the the direction you thought he was going to go. And it's just, yeah, like, like I think, I think that's it with Rathbone is it's just the defending isn't quite up to NHL caliber. Whereas Will Landon, I think you give him the edge there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what it's ultimately going to come down to is which of these guys can defend better at five on five, because that's what you're looking for in a third-pairing guy. You don't need a power play quarterback in your third-pairing defenseman. When you have Quinn Hughes on your team, when you have Philip Ronick, um, I think that's that's what it really comes down to, to be honest with you. So, yeah, like you give the edge to a guy like Willana here. So it's it's a big summer for Rathbone. It's a big summer for a lot of guys, and we keep talking about it, but Rathbone, um, that, you know, that's, that's, that's a prime example of it. Yeah, and I think what's also difficult for a guy like Jack Rathbone who – Listen, he's got the label, right? You know, fairly or unfairly, he's got the label that he's not a great defender at the NHL level. That type of label doesn't disappear after two or three good games. That label doesn't disappear after two or three good seasons sometimes for players, right? Like, every time that he is pushed off of a puck in the corner, people are noting it because they're like, you already have that prior knowledge in your head of the label of him, like, oh, not being a great defender. So every time that he gets pushed around by a bigger guy, you're thinking, like, it clicks in your head. It just, there's something about it where you're like, ah, like, this is this is a, a player who, you know, is not good at this. And it's going to be very difficult for him to shake that. I think that's going to be really hard. This is, I mean, not being able to defend as a defenseman, that's a thing that it's not a great label to have. And I do think it's, it's it's not exactly fair either. Like, I do think you can watch games with Jack Rathbone where he defends well throughout a whole game. Like, if he's playing 14 minutes tonight, I bet he doesn't make that many errors defensively in his own zone. It's just, it's also been a little bit difficult for him throughout the season. Consistency is obviously one thing. I think it's a good 
chance for him to get an opportunity to play in front of Rick Tockett this year. But can we get his line mates up here, his pairing, um, the minutes here, Alex, uh, with Jack Rathbone? Because we do just have a little list of the, who he's played with this season. Uh, 54 minutes uh, with Kyle Burrows. That's the top guy he's been with. Uh, not great Corsi numbers. Been on the ice for two goals for, one goal against. Ethan Barry's played 40 minutes with. He's been on the ice for two goals for, two goals against. Tyler Myers, here's the thing. This is the thing. Like Jack Rathbone doesn't work with Tyler Myers. It's It's been shown over the years now in, in Jack Rathbone's small NHL career. They don't work well together. Uh, they've been on the ice for just shy of 12 minutes. No goals scored, two goals against. Um, and that's what's really hard, too, is the fact that Myers might end up being your third-pairing guy and Rathbone would have to win a spot there. Like, well, Lannon makes a lot more sense with Tyler Myers just as a fit. And that's another knock against the chances uh, for Rathbone to be an NHLer to start next season. So uh, we'll have to see what happens. But I think, uh, man, all the talk here about Christian Wallander, I think he's going to be the next guy we have to spotlight here. Uh, and it might be a little more positive, which is unfortunate. We had a lot of, we've, we st- like, I still do have some hope that Rathbone has a really big summer uh, this co- summer coming up here and gets an opportunity to play at the NHL next year. I hope that he is one of those guys that shines at training camp. He's going to turn 24 this summer. It's, you know, do or die time. Last year, like we talked about this at the start of the year, that it was go time for Rathbone. Like Rathbone had to get up and go, make an impact. Now, next season's do or die, right? Are you going to be an AHL or are you going to be an NHL? Like training camp's going to tell you a lot about that with Jack Rathbone. So it'll be interested to see what happens there. I did see a comment uh, in the chat here asking about uh, Dolly Wall's tweeting about, um, about a right shot defenseman. Uh, Cole McWard. I've only seen him a couple games, uh, but he's a right shot defenseman, uh, six foot one out of Ohio State. Scored a lot of goals this past year. Um, not the greatest um, analytics when I looked up some of the things. Uh, just control of the of the expected goal share. Um, I think he'd be a guy. Hey, listen, you get a twenty one year old right shot defenseman who scored a lot of goals in the NCAA last year. Sure, bring him in, play him in the AHL. This isn't a guy who's going to get an NHL gig, though. I don't think. I think this guy is more of a uh, Canucks want to get these young guys in their in their young 20s into the AHL just to kind of boost up the prospect pool there. I think this is Cole McWard would be an example of that, so we'll have to see what happens. And I tell you what, when Ricky tweets about something, is a good chance it's going down. So that's uh, that's that. Let's uh, transition that into our prospect update here. Uh, not a lot going on, and it's actually going to be interesting. Like uh, the, the Blackfish articles, which I think I hope a lot of people enjoy over at Canucks Army and the videos that we've been putting up here. I don't know how much longer they're going to go. We're, we're like prospects are getting eliminated left and right. We're running out of guys to talk about. They're not playing anymore. Summertime's coming up. Uh, all of Europe's rolling into like the final fours of their playoffs here. So, uh, quick little update. Uh, Jonathan LeCaramacchi, his team is now one and one in their series. They won today. Big game for them. Uh, Liam Ogren, huge game for him. He was excellent tonight or today, tonight over there. You get what I'm saying. Uh, so they're 1-1 in their series now in the Alsvenskan playoffs. Uh, OHL playoffs, Josh Bloom is in. Connor Lockhart is in. Kirill Kudryatsev, he's out. The Sioux Greyhounds, they didn't make it into the OHL playoffs. Uh, but Bloom is, Lockhart is, uh, and Bloom's been really good so far early on in the OHL playoffs. They're still in the first round, uh, so we'll have to see what happens there. There's a chance that Bloom and Lockhart could meet up in the Eastern Conference Finals of the uh, of the OHL playoffs. That would be a lot of fun. Uh but Bloom's been awesome. Um you know, going to have to spend some time watching him a little bit more this summer uh and do some breakdowns there. As for the SHL playoffs, 
Philip Johansson and Elias Pettersson, DPD, they're still going. Lucas Forcell, he's out. They lost in Game 7 to Philip Johansson there. Uh, but Johansson was great, by the way. Scored in Game 5 and Game 7, but we talked about that last week on the show. So a little bit of a prospect update. As for Elias Pettersson, by the way, DPD, his team has moved on. Orobro, they're on to the next round. Uh, but PD, like DPD's not playing. He's, not, he's, he's averaging a minute, uh, less than a minute, actually, over his last five SHL playoff games. So he's... Unfortunate. That's a, a tough way to to end his year after he's been, I think, a really big piece for that defense core throughout the season. They're they're not giving him minutes uh, in the playoffs, which is really unfortunate because he was he was damn good uh, throughout the whole season. So interesting numbers here on the poll, by the way. I see on uh, on YouTube, third pair D man was the question. Christian Willanen fifty nine percent. Jack Rathbone forty one percent. So like a lot of people hoping for. I think a lot of people are hoping for Rathbone. But I don't know if I'm, I'm betting on it at this point. Like, well, Landon's been good. It, and it's it's unfortunate for Rathbone, but that's the way she goes. The way she goes. Sometimes she goes, like last night at the casino. Sometimes she doesn't go. All right. Odds and ends. And before that, a lot of people in the chat, YouTube live chat, uh, discussing many defensemen on the team. Ethan mm. Bear is a subject of conversation right now. So maybe he'll be our spotlight tomorrow, Chris. I, I say Ethan Bear is okay. our guy tomorrow since we've basically talked about Will Annan. Okay, odds and ends. Let's, let's go. Yeah, I should quickly just do a mock-up for Will Annan spotlight and Alex can just throw that in here. Um, all right, let's wrap up with odds and ends. I don't have, I didn't even have much here. I, all I wanted to add was, yeah, the Kraken tonight, Canucks are playing them uh, here in Vancouver. Uh, it's good for the Canucks to get this experience against playoff teams late in the season. This is why, you know, you, you give Hirose the opportunities and stuff like that. Um, but I mentioned it earlier. The Kraken, they beat uh, the Arizona Coyotes 8-1 last night. So they're coming in, scoring a lot of goals. And check this out, quads. Uh, actually, you know what? I'm going to ask you the question because I like doing this. Uh, how many players on the Seattle Kraken have double-digit goals this season? Three. <laughs> Oh, I love it when your answers are horrible. Uh, they have 13 players with double-digit oh, goals. You said double-digit. Yeah, double-digit. In my head, I was like 20-plus. How many 20-plus? Uh, <laughs> I'm saying three. Um, How many with 20-plus? Well, we got – that's the thing. Jared McCann, hey, you get you nailed it with that. They do have three with 20 or more. Uh, but that's Jared, what I thought the question was, nah, to nah, be nah, clear. I don't think so. Uh, Jared McCann, 37 goals on the year. So Canucks draft pick, Jared McCann. And- He's killed penalties for them too. Like he he's been really really good for them. Um, you know, obviously gets that contract recently. It's mm. it's a good year for him. Do you think he touches 40? 73 games played for him. Um, the Kraken have what? 4 games left? 5? Yeah, 5, five games. 5 six, games left. 6 I games believe. left actually. Or 6. Yeah. They have 6. Yeah. Yes, um including Yeah, you mentioned okay. it. He's got three shorthanded goals. Um, nice little run. McCann's been good. He's uh really found it, man. Would be nice. Um, all right. I think that's all I got today. I got to go. Uh, I got to go decide what to do with all this, uh, all this quads money I'm getting here. I feel like you and Harm on the show. Which, uh, by the way, do we have an update for Harm this week? He's he's what's going on. He's Friday. He's going out. Harm is here on Thursday. Harm is here on Thursday because no it's Good Friday. Right. Yeah. No show on Friday. No show on Friday or Monday because I got a turkey dinner on Monday. I got to get to that. No Actually, here's the Monday. thing. So my mom texts me about Thanksgiving. What's going on here? April? What's what is this? Easter? Easter. Easter. That's what I. Yeah, I knew that. Uh, Easter's coming up, and my mom texts me because she's like, "Oh, like are you coming over for Easter dinner?" I said, "Yep." Yeah. She said, "What day?" I said, uh, "I think Monday makes more sense for us." 
And then she's, and then this is the text I get back from it about, uh, cause I'm just expecting a turkey or here's the thing. I'll let a ham slide. Okay. The ham can slide on Easter. You can have the ham on Easter. You don't bring the freaking ham near me on Thanksgiving. I don't want any of that. Thanksgiving is a turkey day, but I'll, I'll let the ham slide if that's the thing. But here's the text I get back from my mom. She says, we're going to try some different things this year at Easter dinner, like a very eerie, uh, text message about what we're going to be eating at uh at easter dinner don't anybody no actually easter you can have the ham but uh you put a little pineapple on there uh, and some hot mustard i normally bring different i'll bring three mustards if i'm having a ham dinner uh to the dinner but i'm I'm a little worried i'll have to report back on tuesday on what the hell this uh different thing was that we're having for thanksgiving or what's going what's going i can't say easter dinner because it doesn't feel like a real uh doesn't feel like a real holiday it's a real deal holiday Anyways, all right, it you're is. you're getting tired of this. You got a yapping dog in the background. I'm, oh, here we go. That's Alex more is coming bird on. talk too. Yeah, you got more bird talk. On. There we go. You know what? I the whole thing today, uh, owls were big on the when I logged into YouTube today. Owl cams, which I, I think I might like that more. I think we have to do an owl cam eventually here. Yeah, the owl cam is pretty cool. Owl, yeah, look at there. There's the our eagle. Wow, just perched up. Not Did we so- name him? I, I called him Eddie. Yeah, I think we I think it's uh, Alex. Or no, wait, we have an Alex already on this show. We can't have <laughs> producer Alex and Eagle Alex. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here. I'm done. I'm freaking cooked on this show. I haven't found another one. Okay, we got oh, wow, we get another one. Oh, he's got little babies. Oh, there's babies. Wow, that's cool. Okay, sorry, podcast listeners. We'll close it out there uh, as our YouTube viewers get a view of uh, Mama Eagle with... Uh, with her babies, that is truly magnificent. God, See the flies? Fly, yeah, the, the flies all the over. Flies the damn crawling thing. all over, just chilling. Okay, Yikes. we'll close it out there for my co-host Chris Quack. Faber and our technical producer Alex Alard. <laughs> my name is David Quadrelli. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Canucks Conversation. The Eagles are coming after each other. Tank it up, Alex. Tank it up. Thanks for listening to Canucks Conversation. Hit the subscribe button to never miss an episode. How about keep it to a thank you, Jim?